Psalm 32, verses 1 through 3. A Psalm of David, a contemplation. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you to open our ears to hear and our hearts and minds to understand and apply uh, this word. We thank you for it, and we thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. The last two weeks we've talked about, verses 1 and 2, about us being blessed, the forgiven being blessed, and that this is the greatest blessing by far. All others are nothing by comparison that we can have bestowed upon us in this world. And so we would think, you would think after hearing that, that we would be the happiest of all people. Always happy, forever happy. We know that to not be the case, though. And so the question is, why? Why is it that we are not as happy as we really should be, given this tremendous gift that we have? Well, I would even say that sometimes we barely enjoy it at all. When you talk to some Christians, they just don't seem to revel in any form of joy. And so why? Why is this? Well, let's reread the last part of verse 2 and verse 3. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all day long. David wrote this. And we know David was a believer from his youth. He was very young when he came to God. And so we know that he experienced God's blessing, and yet he also experienced this. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all day long. God forgives us. He cleanses us of sin and guilt. But we return to it, right? We return to the sin. And we again and again experience the guilt of sin, not just past sins, new sins. Long after being saved, we continue to sin and we continue to experience the guilt of sin. And what do we do? How is it that we deal with that? Again, the answer is right there. When I kept silent. It is our fallen nature to hide our sin from one another, from God, as if that were possible, from ourselves. We're actually more successful at hiding our sins from ourselves, I think, than from anybody else. It's really crazy when you think about it. But we do deceive ourselves. We justify ourselves. We blame others for our sins. We're very good at it. So now, our hidden sins, though, these ones that we are reluctant to admit, reluctant to confess, reluctant to acknowledge, they eat away at us as if they eat away at our bones. What are bones? They hold you together. They hold us up. Without bones, we'd just be a little mass of flesh that would pool on this floor. So your bones structure you. Your bones define you. And yet it's that that sin attacks. We know that this is a metaphor, but think about it. 
Your bones are core. Just yesterday, I went to the Batman movie, and that policeman, I don't know if any of you have seen it, but there's this policeman, and he speaks about feeling it in his bones. And I thought, that's exactly what we know to be true. This metaphor from Scripture is in our culture. It's in poetry. People know intuitively what is meant when you say to them about your bones. They know it's at the core of your being. It's fundamentally affecting you. And this is what is being said. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. David had left the darkness of sin at this point, though. And so he's looking back at it. And he's explaining what he's gone through. How he had been attempting to hide his sin and how it had totally disrupted his world, stolen all of his joy. But now he's looking back on it, and he can see clearly that it was foolish for him to do this. And I want to share a story. I, I think I've told some of you this, but I don't think I've shared it from up here. But when I was in eighth grade, I had a bad friend. I was good, but my friend was bad, and he was a bad influence on me. And so we would skip school several times, and we were stupid. We were stupid in skipping school. We'd skip school on really, really cold days. We're just standing around in the school uh, parking lot where you kind of kids kind of uh, congregate before school. The bell rings. They won't let you into school early. My, 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 oh, I was the only good kid in this school, apparently. I, I would have gone in and gone to my class and been good, but everybody else, I guess, go does bad stuff. So they keep you out in like this bullpen area until the bell rings, and then you can go in. Well, we'd be out there, and he'd say, Rod, let's go for a walk. So we walk out front, and before long, we're walking up to the store, and we're walking down the street, and I'm like, you know, school's back there. Oh, no, we're going, no, going to school. And so we'd walk away. And here it is. We're dressed in school clothes, no jackets even. We're both kind of foolish in that regard. And uh, we had our school clothes on, so we're walking down the street, and we go through these people's houses. Now we're trying to decide, okay, what are we going to do with the next eight hours? Well, we went through this fellow's yard, and suddenly he started yelling at us. So we ran through his yard. And my buddy stepped in a stream that was behind his house. So now we're freezing, and he's got a foot that's soaking wet. We walk a mile through backyards and woods to get to my house, and we're standing at an oak tree behind, uh, way up in my backyard. And we're looking at that doghouse. Isn't that doghouse rather inviting? It, it looks warm in that doghouse. I mean, we were seriously contemplating crawling into my dog's doghouse, and that, that doghouse was messy. But about that time... And I'm looking down at the house, and the kitchen light is on. It looks warm and inviting, but I know what I'm in the middle of, right? I don't want my family to see me like this. Well, about that time, the door opens, and my sister comes walking up all the way up to where we are. How did you know we were here? Well, we saw you standing by the tree. What's going on? Well, Mom told me to come get you. I'm like, okay. Am I in trouble? Well, I don't know. So we walk down to the house. My mom just gives me a hug, welcomes us, gets my friend's uh, cold shoe off. Now, by this time, we've been gone from, you know, three hours. We've been out wandering in the snow. And it's probably 30, mid-30s, and we're cold. But see, that's what sin does. We had sinned. We had run away, stupidly. And yet, now we are looking at that inviting warmth, just as David is now looking back at what he'd accepted and what he'd refused to accept for months. And so when I went down there, my mom welcomed us. You know, I'd still screwed up. I still had my dad to face at the end of the day. But yet, I was happy. I was in safety now. 
And I was welcomed into that. I wasn't told, stay up by the tree, crawl in the doghouse. No, my mom loved me. She welcomed me in. And so see, that I believe is what's going on here. The, the last part of verse 2 said, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. That reminds you of something, doesn't it? It's when Jesus is calling the disciples. And Philip had gone to get Nathaniel and said, the prophet from Nazareth is here. Is anything good come out of Nazareth? And then Jesus greets Nathanael and says, Behold, in whom an Israelite is no guile, no deceit. And Nathanael said, How do you know me? And he said, Before Philip called you when you were under the tree, I saw you. And then he greets him, My, my Lord and my God. And yet Jesus had said, In whom an Israelite is no deceit. That is high praise. That is a person who doesn't try to deceive others and isn't trying to deceive himself. He just speaks the truth. He lives with the truth. And so see, when he begins verse 3, he says, when I kept silent, he's speaking of his own deceit. He just lauds those who have no deceit, but he acknowledges, I'm deceitful. He's not like Nathaniel. And this is David we're talking about. And we've been hearing a lot about David lately. And we'll hear more. But see, David had lived this life of deceit. And he's sharing with us how painful it is, how foolish it is for us to remain in that. And then he says, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. Our groanings are indications of something, right? It was funny, a couple of weeks ago I was in a meeting, and we have this one meeting that can be kind of painful. There are a bunch of us managers on this project, and we all get together, and one person reviews process flow diagrams. And as they're going through, pretty much anybody can shoot arrows at them. Why did you do this? Why aren't you doing that? And this one woman was presenting, and each time she'd get through a slide, after having endured maybe some arrows, you'd hear her groan. Because she didn't want to start that next slide, but she had to. And after a few of these times, several of us laughed. And I commented, I said, you're adding your own slide transition audio here. And she just laughed, because we all know how painful it is to be in that position. That's what groanings are. They reveal our heart more so than anything. They reveal the frustration that we feel often for ourselves. We are upset with ourselves, upset with the sin that we're allowing to have such uh, control over us at times. And yet, instead of going to God, we just groan, groan in our spirit. And yet God hears our groans. We know this. So see, bearing sins is a costly practice. And what we're doing is bearing sins. We're bearing the consequences of our sins ourselves because we refuse to go to God. Jesus himself groaned under the weight of sin in the garden. He groaned. He wanted God to lift that burden. He himself would not throw it off. God would not take it off. He endured it. Yet he groaned because he was enduring sin. He was having to live with that. So see, groaning under sin reflects the weight of it. It reflects the burden of it. So we are right to want to be shed of it, but we have it so easy. We just need to turn to God. As believers, all we do is turn to God and say, God, I want rid of it. But even that we're reluctant to do because deep down in part, we don't want rid of it. Our sin is comfortable to us. We are comfortable with our sin. We want it. And that's the problem. Jesus bore the weight of it, though, for our sakes, and he basically lives now in heaven to continue to free us from it. 
As we turn to embrace him, he frees us from it, moment by moment, day by day. And so walk with God. Turn to him when you feel the burden of sin. Be free of it. He wants you to be free of it. So as we come to the table, it is a celebration of him having borne it, endured the groanings, and us being free from it. And so don't cling to it. Let it go. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for David's experience. Uh, he was a great man, and yet he was a man who knew deceit. He lived it. He lived his whole life at times being and deceived and deceiving himself and others, uh, participating in sin in ways that were out of accord with your word. And Father, we often do the same thing. We pray, Father, change us and conform us to your will. In Christ's name we give you thanks and praise. Amen.